we start to look at a full-time job as being a safety blanket, but it's really not. It could cut off at any time. So why not follow that passion that's in your heart that's burning? Who would have thought that you could walk into your boss's office with the intent to quit only for your dreams to start coming true? Welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome Cayman Kelly, national voice of ESPN and NFL's Monday Night Football. Yes, Monday Night Football. Cayman is the number one best-selling author of From $6 an Hour to a Million Dollar Dream. If you are trying to grow the passion inside you from a spark to a flame, listen up as we welcome Cayman Kelly. So the big question is this, how do Jesus-loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling, how do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal, how do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Everyone, welcome Cayman Kelly to the podcast. Cayman, you just played a, a standing ovation sound. You know your way around a studio because, as I noted in the pre-roll, you are the national voice of ESPN. You, you do Monday Night Football. You, you have the, the voice that is meant <laughs> for for podcasts and pretty much everything, brother. It's going to be a pleasure just hearing anything come out of your mouth. But we get so much more than that. We get your story, and your story yeah. is going to inspire a lot of people because just like uh, we've seen in your book, you've gone from six dollars an hour to a million dollar dream, and there is a lot in there. And everyone listening right now, I believe, is in that place where. They are being called to something more. They're, they're, something's been put on their heart. It could yeah. be as simple as, hey, I need to get out of this relationship. I need to uh, start this new career. I need to fill in the blank. I need to start this ministry. Yeah. But they say, oh, what if I fail? What do mm -hmm. people think? Brother, yes. when was that moment for you? Oh my gosh, man. It, that moment has happened so many times. <laughs> and you know, and to be honest with you, Caleb, it happens to this very day because sometimes we get in those in the space where we get comfortable and we don't want to move beyond it. It's easier to throw your hands up and walk away because to achieve things, it takes work. You know, it's not enough to just say, Lord, please help me. You know, God helps us each and every day. But he also gives us motivations to, to and, and, and people around us to support us and move us in the right directions that we need to go in. So we have choices to make. And, you know, and early on, just like you mentioned, my six dollar an hour job, those were some of the happiest days of my life because I was doing some of the things that I desire to do. It just, you know, it just didn't pay me like I thought it should. And, and of course, those there were those days where I would get frustrated. And I said, man, maybe I chose the wrong thing to do because it doesn't always work the way that we anticipate it to work. But thing is to stay focused on that path. If you see yourself going somewhere, then you got to stay focused. I would have these conversations with my dad all the time. I said, man, I think I chose the wrong thing to do. And he said, son, one day you're going to look back at this moment and you're going to laugh at it. And I said, well, I'd be glad when it gets funny because it's not funny right now. This is not a joke because <laughs> here I am, a college graduate with a degree, and I'm making $6 an hour. 
And I had to make decisions whether I was going to put some gas in the car, whether I was going to get something to eat. I mean, it was down to that. I remember looking in the ashtray trying to get change to buy a gallon of gas to go to work. That's how the struggle was real. Mm. But, you know, the more we look at life, and we start to see how these puzzle pieces start to fit together in our life. Oh, now I see why I had to do that to be able to get here. So it really built up some character for me. Even though I wanted to give up, I couldn't. You know, and my father was that, that, that voice that I would constantly hear. And this is when the lesson came to me, Caleb. I was sitting in a review with my boss and he said, he said, Cayman, you're a great guy. Everybody likes you, but your follow-up is weak. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, you've been working this overnight position that was on the air from two in the morning to six in the morning. He said, and never once have you come to me and pitched to me that you wanted this position full time. So my thought process was that, well, I thought if I did a good job that you would come to me and offer it to me. He said, no, it doesn't work like that. If you don't speak up for yourself, we'll roll right over you. And that was one of the lessons that motivated me to turn up to the point where I was like, okay, I got to grab this by the horns. I'm responsible for me. So I really got to do this myself. So that was my one moment that kind of changed my whole thought process. If someone's listening right now, write that down. Take some charge. Don't wait for someone to notice you. Like if you want something, if something's on your heart, like go and have that conversation. It will seem so scary. Mm -hmm. But that person, I'm sure that, 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 a person in charge or boss, oh, we respect you so much. Even leading a company now, I remember crystal clear anytime as someone come up to me and said, I want to help you build this company or complete this vision. They didn't mm-hmm. need to say that. They were already in that role. But man, yeah. did it mean something to me. And I never forgotten that. Brother, you were working a $6 an hour job as something that you loved. I think that's an interesting place to start because a lot of people could be on the other end of the spectrum. Maybe they're making some good money, but they're, they're drowning, right? Yeah. When you were going through the, the, the pain of choosing what you should pay for, were you still happy in that moment? Like, I want to see what was the catalyst that bumped you to that next level. And I, and I take it, it was that moment that your boss talked to you, correct? It was, you know, and that's what, that's what motivated me and made me desire to uh to to grab this thing and really run with it but you know to your point that six dollar an hour job the reason why i accepted it is because it was my beginning point Mm. and it's important for everybody to have a starting point i i couldn't go in there demanding for you to pay me a million dollars right now i didn't have experience so for me to have that opportunity as a starting point that's what i grabbed i said if i get this i can turn this into something too many times in, in the society that we live in now, we experience on demand. Technology has gotten us to that point, even from the microwave. Because I think about my family, when we were growing up, we all ate dinner together. You know, because if you had leftovers, if somebody warmed it up, it had to be on the stove. There was no microwave. Mm. But now we look at the microwave, people come to the dinner table and they get ready. They put their own portions on the plate, warm it up, they eat by themselves. So, you know, it was always that connection. So now we've advanced to the point that we have an on-demand society where we want things to happen instantaneously. We want it right now. But life doesn't work like that. Like I said before, all of these stepping stones and that starting point, I accepted that because this is something that I desired to do. It was a passion of mine. And because I was able to make that connection in high school, I was in 10th grade when I started. 
this was a connection that played out for me. I went to college, I graduated, I still didn't have a job. It was difficult to find a job. But in between time, like I'm in class and I'm hearing these people come back for career day and they're telling classes like, man, you know, I've been in those same seats that you've sat in. And if you're desiring to be in major market radio, it's not going to work. You might as well erase that dream. Hmm. What is that to tell somebody? We should be encouraging each other just because it didn't work out for you doesn't mean I'm going to go down the same path. So, you know, like even hearing stuff like that made me turn up that much more. I'm going to show them. I got to do this. I got to do it. So, you know, I just kept churning and churning and churning. And I accepted that $6 an hour and, and it grew into something, you know, but it, like you said, these, these were still some of the happiest days of my life because it was exciting to be able to learn. And it wasn't all about the money. I knew like money would come eventually. So it was a learning process. And when I got off, you know, the frustration had built to a point where I'm like, oh man, I can't take this anymore. But then I moved on to the next thing. So we, I'm quite sure we'll get to that story in a moment. Wow. So what I love about this and, and how you're talking about you, you got in and you wanted to grow from that place. Like you got into where your passion was. Yeah. And that's a perfect foundation. Sometimes the, the American dream demands something of us. Hey, if you don't have a house by this time, if you're not married by this, if you don't have kids by this time, yeah. then, then you are behind in the way you compensate for that as well. Let me take this job that I, I, it's not my passion. It's not my, uh, what I love. But hey, I'll be able to catch up on all these areas and I'll, I'll, I'll do the rest later. Yeah. And then you get into this rat race of years and, and that love and passion maybe just fizzles out. Whereas mm-hmm. where you started, you said, this is where my fire is. The spark is. I know yeah. it's going to grow. Mm-hmm. And it did because you, you, continued after, you continued on that path. So one, for the listener right now, I want to encourage you that if you have that spark, if you have that passion in something, Take heed. <laughs> Look mm-hmm. at where Cayman started. You go where the spark is. And even someone else said, Cayman, you've got this spark, man, but you've got you to put some of your own flame onto it. Yeah. Why don't you take me into the days after your own boss said, hey, take the reins. Yeah. You know, when he made that statement to me, it made me a, a different person because, you know, a lot of people don't know and, and they still don't believe it, but I grew up shy. So there was a timidity that I dealt with and still deal with on on a regular basis. I'm scared of like small crowds of people, but I have a gift of humor. So I walk in a room, I make everybody laugh and it kind of lightens the mood for me and it helps me to deal with it. But I realized early on, and this is all about self-awareness, that I said, you know, there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to do this being timid. It's not going to happen. So from, from him telling me that, that's when I said, okay. I'm really about to turn up. I'm about to let people know who I am. I'm going to show them what I can do. And, and like you said, that starting point is very necessary because it could be a sunny day. And all of a sudden it starts raining. You'd be like, dang, sunny. The rain had to start somewhere. So, so being in that space and actually starting, once the frustration came too heavy, and I had that moment where I started thinking like, man, I, I chose the wrong thing to do. This isn't really working out. Because there was there was some some things that happened, you know, where I felt like I started to feel like I was being used. Mm. Hey, you can do me better than this. You know, when I'm watching people make millions of dollars and this is major market radio. And this is me thinking to myself, like, wow, you treat me like this. This isn't fair. And then I realized and this is another lesson that I tell people all the time. You can't stay where you start because, you know, the thing is, people start to know what you're going to take. 
you know, so you got to take that thing and move on. So eventually I got off. I got fired because I made some of the wrong choices. I said, well, I'm, I was on this thing where I can get back at you because of the way that you treated me. But I ended up getting fired. But I went to the competition station. They hired me. That was another stepping stone for me. You know, so I started doing the show that I wanted to do. I got my first contract scared to death. They didn't pay me like I was supposed to be paid. I, I met an attorney and I went to her house. Her house was immaculate. It looked like a museum. She said, have a seat. I was scared to sit down on the thing, right? So she looked at my contract. She said, hmm, I don't know how you're going to pay my retainer. <laughs> 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 but saw something in me and she was willing to work with me. So these are the type of things that helped me along the way. You know, just like you said, people came to you and said, let me help you with this. And it's important. We all need each other and we have an obligation to one another. Sure, I might not have the money now, but maybe I'll grow someday and I'll be able to reach back and, and, and help you and help other people that's to come behind me. That's what this thing is all about. Hmm. That's awesome. I, I love that you started this with, you can't stay where you started. You know, I think about the, the parable of the talents, this idea of you can either go invest, make some money, lose some money, or you can bury it in the sand. <laughs> the one who buries it in the sand is getting nowhere. <laughs> it's, exactly. Sure, you're not, you're not losing anything, but actually you're losing a lot. Yeah. Tell me a little bit as you look back at the, the wins and losses all, along the way. And I would love for you just to speak to the listener on how that should be the expectation. You know, I could tell you so many stories about, you know, times when I felt like I lost. But when you look back at it, I really gained. And, and that's one of the chapters that I, I mentioned in my book, which I always refer to, because I think it may be my favorite chapters is lose to win. And I talk about scenarios of other people that I've met on this journey and how it happened for them. So one person in particular that I always talk about and I get back to my story, um, Jimmy Jam, who's like a huge sought after producer got over 40 number one records that he's produced and written for numerous acts that we know. So he was on tour with Prince, one of the greatest wow. musicians of our times. <laughs> and he ended up moonlighting him and Terry Lewis. They went to Atlanta to produce a group called the SOS band. So in the process of being in Atlanta, it snowed and they couldn't get back to the tour with Prince. So they ended up being fired by Prince. So I'm standing in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard and I'm asking him, I said, man, did you really see this? as being a blessing in disguise at the time, or was it one of the worst days of your life? He said, oh, no, man, it was the worst day of my life, you know, being fired by Prince. But look what happened from that moment. The record that they went to produce went number one, which solidified them as producers in the music industry. And here we are 30 years later, 40 years later, and they're still relevant to this very day. But if they had been on tour with Prince, would things have turned out the same way? Probably not. So we can't look at that as a loss. It was a gain. And the same thing with me. You know, I look at those moments when I made $6 an hour and I had to be creative with how am I going to eat now? How am I going to put some gas in the car? And then moving on and then meeting that attorney who, who in turn introduced me to another job. But I scared myself out of so many instances, you know, because we, we fear change. So when she, she called me and she said, I got a job for you. I went, when can you go interview? I said, um, and I tried to come up with every excuse in the book. Well, I'm really busy this week. So uh, maybe next Thursday, she said, okay, I'll tell them you'll be there tomorrow. She knew I was lying. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up going to this interview and, and the lady loved me. 
She said, she absolutely love you. So I did another interview and then another interview and they ended up hiring me. It probably was the worst job I've ever worked. Hmm. But looking back at that, that's what birthed my voiceover career, something that I always wanted to do. And, and I met so many people there and I ended up being the voice of um, BET and their digital networks and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we were providing content for a third party. We was a third party channel for XM Satellite Radio, which was a new technology at the time. So mind you, I left my other job to jump on something that was brand new. That was a risk mm-hmm. right there. I was scared to do it, but I did it. That job folded within a year's period. I had just got married. My wife and I built the house. We settled, spent the night. My attorney calls me the next morning and said, your job is about to go away. What? Like, how am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to take care of this woman that I just married? So right there, Caleb, you may look at that as a loss. My sights went off of, man, I just started doing voiceovers. I'm going to get checks. Because we start to look at a full-time job as being a safety blanket, but it's really not. It could cut off at any time. So why not follow that passion that's in your heart that's burning? So that one incident caused me to unlock that potential because I had to. Now I got to pay bills. I got to take care of this woman that I said I was going to take care of. And and here's what's important. I'm going to give you this lesson because this is really important that we start to surround ourselves with people that really have our best interests at heart. And this is where my wife proved that she really loved me. Never ridiculed me. But there was moments where I would sit in the basement and I would cry like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. But I always wanted to do voiceovers and I kept searching for somebody to help me, but nobody would help me because it's so competitive. So I find this guy in New York. I'm a Washingtonian. And this guy calls me. He had an audition. So I did the audition over the phone. I said, he's never going to call back. That's that doubt. He's never going to call me. I'm not good enough to do this. So he calls me back the next day. Left a message and I'm listening. To, I kept playing this message over and over again. So I called him back. I talked to him for like 45 minutes. And I think you have the potential to be one of the greatest in the business because you're a great mimic. But there's some things you need to work on. So he gives me all of this list of things that he said, would you be willing to work out with me? I said, yeah. He said, matter of fact, I'll tell you what, I'll blow out my class to work with you one on one. I just believe in you that much. I'm like, what? Of course, this comes with a cost. So I tell my wife about it. And she says, uh, that's good. Then every other day she remind me, did you sign up for your class yet? And I said, no, I haven't yet. I got to make sure the bills are taken care of around here and all the extracurricular stuff I'll get to. So watch this. She's, she's always been disciplined with money, by the way. I was always the one who got the money and spent it. So she says, I got a check upstairs. I'm going to sign that check over to you and you're going to sign up for your class. I said, no, 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 no. You don't have to do that. I'm going to do it. Say no. She said, look at it as an investment for us. And she signed that check over to me, man. And I signed up for that class. I trained with that guy. I got on the bus and went to New York like twice a week, trained with him. We built the demo. I went and took some marketing classes. These people said, man, this guy told me, he said, man, I'm really busy. I'll get back to you. I'm going to listen to your demo. So give me like three or four weeks and I'll get back to you. He called me the next day. And he said, you could certainly work this market. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. And I'm like, what? And there's another instance where I kept playing the message over and over again because there was self-doubt, like no way in the world. He's not talking to me. There's no way I could do this. 
So there's so many instances where I've scared myself. You know, I, I can't be the one that's doing this. And, and still have those moments to this day, which is why it's so important to motivate and have people around you when you can't self-motivate yourself to give you that extra push. Man, you can do this. Keep moving. Let's go. Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, our team is here to help, even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at www.calebrakey.com. Man, that is powerful, brother. That is that's speaking my heart. You, you hit a couple of key words there that I just can't get out of my mind. One was the safety blanket. Mm-hmm. We always think in terms of the safety blanket, whether it be a, a job that we have right now, some sort of semblance of security. And usually it's kind of removed from relationship. You, you usually aren't bosom buddies with the boss man, if you will, but that feels like your yeah, security yeah. blanket because you see that check coming in. All I hear from you are all these little relationships starting, these mm-hmm. phone calls, these yeah. reaching out to someone and other people looking after you. Yep. Isn't that the true security blanket? That is. People looking after you and in your corner wanting you to succeed. Yeah. Amazing. So tell me more about the relationships that continued to prop you up to that next stage to fan that flame that started as the spark and now has grown into a, a little fire. And then soon we got the whole bonfire. Who are some of those people who just continued it? And I love the fact too, there was sacrifice in there. You had to invest in someone to get you to that next level. And I think that's key because a lot of people came in. I think it's easy to say, hey, I'm here. Help me. And I think that's good. It's honest. But I think those relationships that are reciprocal, the ones who are are looking to help you are looking for your own investment. They're looking, hey, I'm willing to invest in you, but I need to see you invest in yourself. Yeah. How important is that, man? That, that's very, very important. Like you said, and, and, and I, I keep mentioning this, the importance of a network of people who really care about you, you know, because a lot of a lot of times we can't share all of our dreams and desires with everybody. And we have to learn uh, and have a spirit of discernment when it comes down to those haters and those naysayers that come along with the journey. Can we turn down that noise and stay focused? You know, everybody doesn't have your best interest at heart. So, you know, I I classify a naysayer as those people who actually care about you. But at the same token, your goals are too big for their mind to conceive. So if I wasn't able to do it, maybe you can't do that. And I don't want to see you get hurt. So they hold you like this. That could be a parent. In my case of naysayers, they were my parents because I always heard that, well, you're doing this radio thing. When are you going to get a real job? To me, it was a real job, you know, so, so we've been programmed to think a particular way. And just like you mentioned earlier in this interview, when you talked about um, the American dream. So each generation has something that's key to them 
And, and, and my parents' generation was that, you know, when you get to high school, when you get out of high school, you go to college, when you finish college, you get you a job. And no matter how bad that job is, you stick with it until you can retire. And then you get some of the things that you enjoy out of your life. My thing is, you don't know how your life is going to turn out. You, some things about your life you don't control. That's when you die. You don't know whether you're going to live to get old. So why not enjoy the life? Not enjoy that passion, you know, because one of the things is, Caleb, if we never exercise our potential, we don't get to our goals. And you know where that potential goes? Right in the graveyard. One of the richest places on the earth. <laughs> so why not try? We never know how life is going to turn out. So, so back to the network piece, and, and this goes right back to my wife again, which I know is, is a blessing from God, the way she has treated me over the years. And like I said, you know, being a man, we have these feelings like we should be doing these things, you know, and, and she never put pressure on me when I lost. And this is how she is like the most important thing to me. We driving to church one day. She was driving. I'm sitting on the passenger side. We heard some message come on the radio and she looks at me. Now, mind you, these conversations had come up before because she recognized the potential that I had that I was scared to exercise. So she says, I'm telling you, God really wants to bless you, but you just keep holding on and he can't bless you unless you let go. And I'm hearing it. But for some reason, people that's close to us, we don't want to pay it attention. So I heard it, but I really wasn't listening. And then I started to process it. And I said, man, she might be right. I really do have a potential. And then I started thinking about messages that my father told me when I would talk about the frustrations of my job. He said, son, when you went to your job, they hired you because you had something to offer. They didn't create who you were. They're not responsible for your happiness. You're responsible for that. I said, hmm, as I started to think about those messages, they really started to play louder and louder and louder. And I said, man, there's some points in here. There's some validity to this thing. So I started praying about it. I started looking at worksheets and things that I had gotten from workshops that I had taken. Is your family worth fighting for? And I said, man, all of the answers are right here. So I told my wife, I said, you know what? This is going to be my last year working a full-time job. You know what she said, Caleb? What? (laughs) (laughs) Like as to say, you finally got the message that I've been trying to tell you all of these years. So here we are. Man, this year passed by so quickly, you would not believe. So I said, in December, I'm going to quit. So so here's how God is so amazing, man, because in my mind, I love doing radio. And I said, man, if I leave my radio job, there's no telling if I ever get back in. His jobs are limited. So when December came around, I, was, I got scared again. I said, man, I don't know if I can do this. And plus, I enjoy it so much, just the contacts that I've been able to make over the years, the people I've been able to meet and talk to. So here we go. I walk into my boss's office and I sat down. He said, what's up? He's on a computer. He never turns around. And I said, I just wanted to talk to you real quick. Then he flips around real quick and takes his headphones up. He said, is this going to be deep? I said, no, it's not. I said, uh, he said, what's up? And I said, well, I just came to let you know that I'm going to be ending this chapter of my life. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You come in here, you sit down. I ask you if this is going to be deep. And you said, no. And then you say, I'm going to end this chapter of my life. He said, and? I said, well, maybe you missed it. I said, because it's not really deep, it's surface. 
I decided to end this chapter of my life, meaning as in Sirius XM, I'm done. He said, what prompted this? And I said, well, you know, there's a number of factors. I said, you know, I haven't always been like 100% happy. And, and you know, like, of course, it comes with the conversation that you have when you leave a job. Well, can I offer you more money? And I said, no, you can't. You didn't have it then. You shouldn't have it now that I'm saying I'm leaving because it's not going to fix what's wrong. And there's really, you know, like we're not going to 100% agree with everything in our lifetime. Whatever circumstance we go through in, in a work situation, we're not going to agree with it 100%. So we talk and uh, he said, man, I, I guess I, I can't let you just walk out the door. What is it that we can do? And I said, well, I, um, certain aspects of it that I never really wanted to do. And I said, and, and a lot of people won't understand this. I didn't come in to climb a corporate ladder. I'm not built from that cloth. I never would desire to be a president or a VP or, or, or manager or any of that stuff. I just, what drives me is being on the air and I want to be compensated properly for it. And he said, well, you're a star at programming. I said, I didn't say that I couldn't do it. I can do it, but that's not my desire. And you're like, and I don't want to be on that clock every day. So he said, well, if we took all of that away, could you still stay on the air? And I said, huh, that sounds like a great idea. That's what I wanted anyway. So, so he says, okay, well, let's see if we could just keep you on the air. We get rid of all the other stuff. And I said, but I don't want to leave and still have to be stuck in a rat race or coming to the city to be in the studio every day. That's, that eliminates the purpose of why I'm leaving in the first place. Because I want to be there for my kids. My kids were really young at the time. I want to be there for them watch them grow, be able to cook, don't have to rush all the time. And I need to tend to my voiceover clients because my voiceover clients had started to grow at that time. So he said, all right. I said, I got a studio at home that I work out of already. So just give me the things that I need to broadcast from. And God provided. I got it all. Like I got the radio show that I still do. And this was years ago that I left. I'm still doing my radio show. And I still tend to my voiceover clients every day. And that list has grown even more. Like as soon as I let go, that's when all the blessings started to pour in. I mean, like man, when God said, I'll open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that shall not to be room enough to receive it. Oh, it's real. It's real. You couldn't even leave the room before your risk became your opportunity. Yeah. It happened that fast. Yep. Wow. <laughs> you were all in in that moment. And, and I remember having a very similar conversation with my boss when I stepped away. I remember my boss saying, like, what, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know, but I think God knows. And isn't it, isn't it cool? We have these passions, these gifts that are given to us. But sometimes we don't see the why yeah. until a little bit later, until we start to see the people that were blessed from it, the people you get to meet from it. I like to think that risk is not about us. <laughs> It's about other people. It's, you know, yeah. we've been given this gift to give to mm -hmm. others. How has your life changed in the people, in the lives, and the relationships you've been able to have by that shift that happened, even in that office right there? I think about your, your kids. I think about the people that you got to pour into. I mean, wow, brother. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I mean, this, this risk has actually created a legacy. Now I have something that I can leave behind. My kids are proud of me, man. You know, seeing because I have a cool job and they see it. They hang out in my studio all the time. And, you know, since the pandemic hit, we've, able to, we've been able to do things together because I've been teaching them how to invoice and how to sign in and how to work, you know, and, and do your own thing. 
we sat down and we started like structuring this book. And you're like, and when I wrote the book, oh my gosh, when the proof copy came in the mail, it was jumping up and down. It was excited, you know? And, 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 and I'm going to show you another illustration about this book because people telling me as I would share my story, because I told you early on when we talked a couple of years ago, I never really thought my story was all that interesting, you know, because I, I didn't have, most of the time when people tell a story, it's an underdog story. They had alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, broken homes. I, I didn't have any of that. My parents have been married for 51 years. So I grew up with both parents in the house. We grew up in the church and et cetera, et cetera. So everything was, I mean, it wasn't peaches and cream, but it was good. It was a good life, you know? And um, people would always keep saying it, man, you need to write a book. All that stuff you've been through. And I said, maybe I could write a book because this is where it happened. As I would go to different classes and speak about it, I noticed that young people would always gravitate towards me afterwards and come talk to me about it. They wanted to know more. So I said, well, maybe I could write a book then. The first time when I thought about doing it, I thought about using this book as a marketing tool. As I said, if people will start to pay attention to me, because for some reason they hold an author in a higher regard. So I said, you know, like from that, I could generate more business. So it was really from a selfish standpoint that I was going to write the book. But to your point, there was a young man who had emailed me. I had talked to him five years prior to starting this process. Five years, he emailed me, said, Mr. Kelly, I graduated from college. I moved to South Korea to teach English, but that's not what I want to do. He said, I really want to follow my dreams. He said, do you mind talking to me? And I emailed him back. I said, sure. I remembered exactly who he was. Call me at such and such time. So it just so happened that I got off a conversation. I was talking about this book and I said, you know, this is what I want to do. And I also want to inspire somebody. But this person I was talking to said, this is two different books. There's no way to structure a book for business and inspire at the same time. Those are two different books. So when I hung up the phone, I'm confused. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what to do now. So in the process of me talking to this young man, he said at the end of the conversation, he said, Mr. Kelly, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you. You really motivated me. I'm about to start on my dreams right now. And when I hung up the phone, I said, man, he thinks I blessed him, but he really blessed me because now I see what I'm supposed to be doing. I see the purpose of writing this book. I was supposed to write this book to inspire some more people, a generation that may be lost, even older folks that feel like they're stuck in a dead end position and they can't move beyond. You know, you've got so many people, just like you spoke to in the conversation, that go to work every day just out of necessity but they aren't really happy. So you got all of this stress that builds every single day. And it's like, you get stuck in a rat race. I'm going home, I'll go to sleep. I'm gonna start this whole thing over again. Nothing exciting about life. But if we follow those passions in our hearts, you know, we can leave a legacy behind. We can see things that people, you leave something tangible that people saw. I've looked at the stories of so many people, like Walt Disney is like one of my favorites seeing the things that he did. And, you know, like he talked about losing the win. He drew a character that uh, Universal picked up, right? It became one of their biggest characters. So Walt has the bravery to step in and say, I need this amount of money. We're going to change this, this, this. By the time he got there to have that conversation, they already owned his character. So that's when he locked his, uh, unlocked his potential. He's on a train going back to California from New York. And he said, I'm going to draw a better character. 
that's when Mickey Mouse came to life. You know what I mean? So, so you know, those lose to win situation when you lose, take those things and motivate yourself, do something bigger and better. And that's the thing that I've tried to do with creating this legacy that I can leave behind where my name will always be good, whether I'm physically here or not. Man, risk is legacy. That is going to stick with me, brother. As we wind this down, I mean, my first uh, cry to the listener right now, if you've been taking notes, if you want to know what to do next, I would say the smallest investment for the biggest reward is right now, get Cayman's book, read his story, because you're not only going to find a story that motivates you, you're going to have application. You're going to be able to say, my dream starts today, and here's the small step I'm going to take. From $6 an hour to a million-dollar dream, Cayman Kelly, find it on Amazon. Brother, where else? If you, you, you got listeners right now, they've heard your story, they want to make a change, <clears throat> and they connect with you. Where is a place? Who, who's that perfect person to... Um, to go and learn more about you? And, and where would they go to do so? Well, the perfect person to learn about me is me. I, and yeah. Nobody can tell my story like I can tell it. So, you know, I do use social media platforms. I'm on Instagram. That's my favorite platform, at Cayman Kelly. So you can follow me there, C-A-Y-M-A-N-K-E-L-L-Y. Also on Facebook at the same thing. And Twitter is at Cayman Kelly Show. And I have a website, CaymanKelly.com. So you can connect with me on any of those platforms. I'd be more than happy to share, man. I think we have an obligation to each other to share, you know, and that's why we build each other up. You know, your, your hand doesn't operate without your fingers. You know, your body needs everything in order to operate properly. Amazing. Thank you so much for stopping by the Riskers podcast. Uh, this has been incredibly inspiring. And again, shout out to every listener who's looking to flame that spark inside them. Yes. Cayman's story is a great template to say, oh, this is exactly what I'm feeling right now. And I want to do the exact opposite of what he did. But no, I'm, I'm going to do the hard thing. Yeah. Get his book from $6 now to a million dollar dream and start to emulate, start to, start to figure out what were some of those steps and what do they look like in your own life? Yeah. Cayman, thank you so much for your time today, brother. Yeah, thank you, Caleb. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I got to give you another round of applause. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Cayman. Thank you, sir. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.calebrakey.com.